welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, co-hosted by yours truly, Kate Richardson and Megan Pachecki. We're two registered dietitians here to make your life easier by debunking diet myths, sharing scientific information about nutrition, and keeping you motivated to reach your goals. We want to teach you everything we know by giving you real life examples of how we've helped our combined thousands of clients transform their lives, lose weight, and get healthy without having to go on another cookie cutter diet. On this podcast, we'll be giving you our best advice, strategies, and mindset shifts so you too can reach your goals using food and most importantly, enjoy the process. Are you pissed at yourself for how you ate on Thanksgiving? No. Me neither. Not at all. (laughs) Good for us. No, not at all. I think if if I think back to years past when I was restrictive with food and had lots of obsessive issues with food, I would look back on holidays and be really embarrassed of how much I was eating and probably even try to hide it from the people that I was with. Like I'd be sneaking back to like the cookie table Mm -hmm. or to get more pie or when grandma was wrapping up the turkey I'd be like trying to grab a couple more pieces because I didn't want everybody to see how much I was eating. Do you felt feel like that feeling was heightened when you were like in dietetic school and tr- like studying to be a dietitian? I used yeah. to feel that way. Yeah and I don't even know if it was because of other people. I think it was more about me trying to project a certain image mm-hmm. of I'm the dietitian I know how to eat and why to eat that way. And I want everybody to look at my plate as an example mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to That's them. That's how I felt. I'll never forget, I was at a guy I was dating at the time's Thanksgiving when I was in college studying to be a dietitian. And everybody, I mean, my family never really did this, but everybody in his family was making comments like, oh, like we've got a dietitian at the table. We got to be careful <laughs> about what she's eating. And it made me feel like, oh, here I have to make sure that I'm actually eating all of this salad and that I'm not getting seconds on dessert or stuffing or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And that loops into the topic that we're talking about today, which is food regret or feeling frustrated by how and what you ate. And us talking about Thanksgiving is because Thanksgiving just happened and we're going into the holiday season. Yeah. And I don't know about you, Megan, but every client I've had this week has like, come to me like it's confession about Thanksgiving (laughs) and I'm literally thinking I'm like it's Thanksgiving it's one day but you know people you know want to say what they did and and I feel like it's confession do you feel that way I think it's because they almost expect us to Mm. be disappointed (laughs) with what they ate and I had a couple clients leading up to Thanksgiving ask me for recipes on, Mm -hmm. like, how to make Thanksgiving healthier, and I was like, no. (laughs) No, I'm not sending you recipes on how to decrease the butter in your mashed potatoes. Like, put the freaking butter in your mashed potatoes. Mm -hmm. It's a meal. Like, the one thing I did say was, let's not eat mashed potatoes and stuffing and gravy every day for the Mm -hmm. next week, Mm -hmm. which I think we've talked about before, is, like, turning those the main foods into something that's healthy and not eating like it's Thanksgiving for an entire week. But for the day of Thanksgiving, just enjoy yourself. Mm -hmm. And enjoy yourself is going to look different for everyone. I find that for me personally, I don't enjoy myself if I feel sick after I eat, which is a common narrative around Thanksgiving or holidays in general. But 
I also won't feel good about myself if I'm watching everyone else enjoy dessert and I'm not. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy myself if I eat really quickly and don't actually taste what I'm eating. And there's certain foods I don't even like around Thanksgiving. So it really is just what does enjoy yourself look like and sticking to, to what's true to you and not necessarily maybe what you see on social media or what you think you should be doing on Thanksgiving. And I agree with you. You don't need to be eating mashed potatoes and stuffing all week long. Like that's just doesn't make most people feel awesome. Right. Regardless of your goal. Right. So we're after Thanksgiving. You're listening to this after Thanksgiving. If you did eat too much, mm-hmm. what are our strategies going forward for the rest of the holiday season for people who find themselves either feeling regret or feeling shame or feeling guilt surrounding how much they ate over this past weekend? Mm. Well, where to begin with that, right? <clears throat> I think the first thing in this, what you just said reminds me of this, is getting really clear on how you actually feel after that meal. So when you say, do you feel guilty? Do you feel just frustrated? Or do you feel deep-rooted shame? That's going to make a difference in how I'd recommend a, a client move forward. So if I had someone come in here and they're like, yeah, you know, like I just find myself every Tuesday just going to beer and wings with the guys and it doesn't, you know, it makes me feel crappy and I'm tired of it. Well, they're just talking about being frustrated about a habit or an eating behavior that they want to stop. So the strategy is going to be really different versus if I had someone come in here and they're like, I'm such a, a failure. Like, I just cannot say no to wings and beer on Tuesday. I'm never going to be successful. I can't stick to anything. Because what I'm hearing from the first person, they just feel a little bit of frustration and regret, but they're not talking down to themselves or feeling deep-rooted shame about themselves as a person. Mm -hmm. And so from there, we'd use maybe some more surface level strategies about making healthy decisions and picking up right where you left off the next day versus someone who feels internalized guilt. Well, we're going to have to do a lot more digging about why do you feel so bad about yourself based on what you put in your mouth. Yeah. Speaking of confessions, that made me think of a DAP client that I'm working with right now. Yes, sir. So we just started December 2nd today as we're recording this. So this is only day two of their DAP uh, process. And she sent me a message yesterday and she was like, I'm really sorry, but my kid did not sleep last night. So we were up all night long and it's 11 o'clock. I haven't eaten anything yet. And I just went to the pantry and ate three tablespoonfuls of Nutella. She's like, and I just felt like I had to tell you about this. And I was like, first of all, that's okay. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's okay. It's okay to eat a couple tablespoons full of Nutella. But what we need to do is take a step back and I want you to understand why that happened mm-hmm. so that you can feel a little more safe around that food because what she was kind of going into was like, oh my God, I can't have this food mm-hmm. in my house. Like, what do I got to throw away all the things that would tempt me? Mm-hmm. And it's, that's not what it's about. Like, you're being tempted because... A, you didn't sleep last night, and so your hormones that regulate your appetite are increased because Mm -hmm. you didn't get enough sleep. You haven't eaten anything yet, and it's already 11 o'clock, and so your blood sugar levels will low. So you're going to be craving something that has sugar in it. And Nutella is 
ready for mm-hmm. you. All you have to do is open it up and it tastes good. You stick a spoon in it and oh, you yeah. get a little relief from doing that. And then what comes after for her was the shame. And mm-hmm. I said, you cannot feel guilty or shameful about that. I just want you to understand a little bit about why that happened. And that way you can feel like, oh, mm-hmm. there's a reason for it versus I just can't control myself mm-hmm. around Nutella. And she was so surprised because she thought it was going to be like, oh, I can't believe you started your day with three <laughs> spoonfuls of Nutella on day one. A <laughs> hundred burpees, let's go. Yeah. yeah, but I think it made her feel a lot more safe in the relationship between her and I that she could share those things, but then also that I was going to help her work through it versus mm-hmm. just being like, nope, you're a bad person because you eat Nutella. Yeah, you're never going to get that six-pack. So what I'm hearing from that would be talking yourself down through logic and reason so when you have those feelings of i'm bad i'm you know out of control it's no no look at the physiological or biological drive to eat what you ate understand it and then set up a plan or a strategy or a system or an environment to make the outcome more favorable. Exactly. Meaning, if you're somebody who's got a young kid at home, or a little baby, and you're sleep deprived, and the only thing in your pantry is Nutella, okay, well then of course you're going to go eat Nutella because you're cranky, sleep deprived, and craving sugar and some relief. But what else can you have in your pantry as a go-to option instead that's more in alignment with what you're trying to achieve? Is it pre-cut fruit that you spent extra $2 on at the grocery store so it's ready to go for you? If so, cool, that's awesome. Or is it some cheese and crackers already in a little Sargento balanced break container so Mm -hmm. all you have to do is open the lid? Cool, whatever it is, I like that angle of looking at it from science and reason instead of an emotional point of view. And I like that it's being prepared for that same situation Mm -hmm. to happen again because most times in life, like, history repeats itself. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure what happened to her that night is not going to be the last time that happens to her. Mm -hmm. So knowing that now, going into it with a plan of here's a couple options that I have on hand that I can grab that are going to have some protein and some fat and some healthy carbohydrates instead of going to the sugar that my body is wired to crave right now. Mm. Learning from experience. That's something I ask a lot of my daily accountability program people because they'll send me a message about what they ate and you know you can tell in their tone if they are pleased with it, if they're at peace with it, or if they're really angry with themselves. And like you, we're not gonna like shame anybody for what they eat, never. It's more of like, okay, if you could go back in time and do it again, what would you do different and why? Mm-hmm. And sometimes people tell me, you know, honestly, I wouldn't change anything because I really enjoyed that dessert with my husband and I haven't had dessert in a, in a week and it was, it was delicious. And some people think like, you know what? I would have eaten a balanced breakfast that morning. I would have made sure I had it prepped. That way I wouldn't have gone into the party starving and overeating everything in sight. Mm-hmm. Cool. So the next step is now you recognize what you would have done differently how can you actually do that thing that you would have done differently? How can you start prepping breakfast? How can you make sure that you've got healthy meals on deck so the next time you're at a social event or going out to dinner, which is going to happen, you can be prepared and not repeat history. So it's a a multi-step process and it never is shaking the finger at yourself and saying, you're bad, skip the next meal or go on a diet or spend five hours on the treadmill to make up for it. 
So I think you can use that same concept going into these other holiday meals as if you're not feeling good about the way that you handled Thanksgiving, why? Mm. Why are you not feeling good about that? And how can you set yourself up for more success later? Mm -hmm. Success doesn't mean not putting the mashed potatoes and gravy on your plate. It's asking yourself, what would a what would I be proud of? Mm. Like, would I be proud of enjoying this meal and not having any thoughts of shame or guilt afterwards? And if that's the case, what does that plate need to look like? Or what does your day Mm. need to look like to set you up to be able to do that? And your idea of how you're going to feel proud after a meal could be totally different than your, you know, cousin's wife who's a fitness trainer and has a very different way of eating. And it could be very different than your mom who insists that you take another spoonful of this or another plate of this. You have to know what feels good for you and stick to your guns. You know, if you don't even really like mashed potatoes, don't eat them. But if you love stuffing and you would be sad without stuffing or you would be so sad without dessert at a different holiday party, well, then let yourself have the dessert and move on with your life and don't try to play a bunch of games around it or manipulate your day to fit in the cake. And I don't I don't want to speak for you, but I think you're probably on the same page with me along with a lot of other chronic dieters out there in that success for me equals not really thinking about the yeah not really thinking about the food like not really having any types of feelings other than something positive Mm -hmm. and I never thought about how I felt about that meal until you just asked me today Mm -hmm. I wasn't thinking the next day oh I ate too much or I shouldn't have eaten that Mm -hmm. or I shouldn't have put the butter in the mashed potatoes or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was not really a thought. It was enjoying the day. Well, I didn't really enjoy it because my child was a nightmare. But you know what I mean? I had the capacity to enjoy it because I wasn't worried about the calories or the food or my body or any of those things. We were talking before this podcast about people that I feel like we all know someone who has zero complexes around food. And they're usually pretty lean or healthy weighted people. Mm-hmm. And they just eat freely, and sometimes you're surprised by how much they eat or how little they eat or what they choose to eat and what they choose not to eat, but it's just like another decision for them. It's never this complicated thing. And they might fix themselves a whole plate of everything at a party or at a restaurant, take four bites and be like, I need a box, (laughs) you know? And you're like, what? The party just started. Excuse me? (laughs) And then they might eat everything on their plate. Who knows? It's the people that don't think about food that just can self-regulate a little bit easier. But those are the people that never turned off their body's cues. Mm -hmm. So they're different. It's hard because, I mean, like you and me, we relate with the people that did turn off the cues. Like Mm -hmm. you and I, if if listeners and clients know our stories, if they've read it on our websites and they've listened to the podcast, like they know we've been through it. And so it's relearning and using those people almost as an example but also remembering like, hey, there's a difference between eating a nutritious diet and eating a bunch of Flaming Hot Cheetos and ramen noodles for meals. Sure. So there's a middle ground. Agreed. So I would say for somebody who feels really shameful about what they're eating is really figuring out why you feel so shameful. You know, was it something that your mom said to you when you were eight years old that's just stuck in your brain? Are you comparing yourself to some ideal standard, whether it's someone you know in real life or social media, or is it an old version of you? I see this a lot. I see a lot of people who, when they were somewhere between 18 and 25, lost a lot of weight by going on a really strict diet. Now that they're 35 with two kids, they think that's the way they're going to do it. And they try the same thing over and over again and it doesn't work. 
and then they feel like a failure because 19-year-old version of Sally lost weight by calorie counting and exercise, but 35-year-old version doesn't. Right. And (laughs) I'm going to take this back to your advice that you give a lot of your clients, which is get a life. Mm -hmm. And... Getting a life, meaning you're not that 19-year-old version mm-hmm. of yourself. And so is it that you're actually missing the weight that you were then? Or are you missing, like, a part of yourself oh. that there's something else to that? You know, I think this feels like a therapy appointment because that reminds me of Esther Perel, what she said. And if you don't know who Esther Perel is, she's this, like, relationship, sex expert, psychologist. She's amazing. And she always talks about that with people who have affairs. Like, they're chasing an old part of themselves. They're having an affair not because they don't love their partner, per se. They just miss a part of of who they were when they were, like, young, wild, and free, or whatever. And that reminds me so much of what you just said. Of, oh, maybe when you were 19, you were hanging out with your friends all the time. You didn't have to go to work. You had less stress. Or you were working towards a very specific goal, like getting a job or a degree. Or you had just started dating a person. Like, you had all of these things going on in your life. And now you don't. Because things have gotten just a little bit more mundane and and normal. And so you have to throw things in the mix so that your focus just isn't on food and dieting. I've definitely heard her describe that before as the reason for infidelity is missing a feeling Mm -hmm. and chasing a feeling. Mm -hmm. You're not necessarily like in love with that person or out of love with the person that you're with. It's that you're chasing a certain feeling. And so I can relate that back to my clients who, when they say, well, I was really happy or comfortable when I was at this weight. Mm -hmm. And then I say, okay, well, what was different about life then? Yeah. And what they're really missing is not the fact that they weighed a certain amount, but the fact that they were free enough to be able to go to the gym at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. on a Wednesday and then go take a nap and then go to class sure. and then go hang out with their friends. Like, it was that lifestyle that they're missing and that feeling of freedom that they're missing, mm-hmm. not necessarily the fact that they were 125 pounds. It was the feelings surrounding that and so it's figuring out like what's that feeling that you're missing and how do we get you just a little bit more of that no you're never gonna be able to go back Mm. to college but you know what though it's so much easier to go on a diet than figure out what to do with your life right it's so much harder to think okay what do I do with the hours when my kid goes to bed at 6 30 when I go to bed at 10 o'clock Do Are you I... talking about me? Yeah. <laughs> that is my life right now. <laughs> well, because I think I remember you told me that your son goes to bed at 6.30 and I was like, whoa. I, I don't know what I pictured. I'm just, I don't have what kids. What do you think's happening at my house between 6.30 and 10? I don't know. I think you're just <laughs> doing puzzles, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it's like, okay, what do you do with that time? And I think a lot of people, what we do is we sit in front of the TV and we think shitty thoughts about zone ourselves. Out. Yeah, and zone out. And then you wake up the next morning and you're like, oh my God, like today I'm going to make things different. It's going to be a whole new day. But then it's not. You just get home and it sounds so good to just sit in front of the TV, zone out, or get caught up in negative thoughts about yourself. And so you have to proactively do something. And I know how hard that is. Like, taking a walk or running an errand or going to the dog park freaking hitting up hobby lobby and just buying a (laughs) water coloring set because why the hell not like there is a lot of resistance in between that but if you can just get a life or have something else in your life to hyper fixate on for like an hour that's a good stepping stone from you not 
hyper fixating on what you ate all day or what you're going to eat. That's a tough pill to swallow. It is because I am resistant to everything. <laughs> Me you? Yeah, I'm, I'm oh resistant God. to everything that's not like within a routine or something uh, like that. So then I have to schedule something or make it part of the routine to kind of get me out of that bubble of okay I'm safe I'm home I did all the important things that I need to get done today instead of me just sitting on the couch and vegging out not thinking about anything I have to actually like proactively have something on the schedule to go do because then afterwards I feel amazing well that's just that's just part of it though right Mm -hmm. that's just you're exactly describing what the strategy is. It's like mm-hmm. you just know you and you're a planner and you're a scheduler. So you have to plan the extra pizzazz in your life. Yeah. For some people, I think I'm more the kind of person that could just be like, oh, I feel like shit sitting here. Okay, I'm going to do something. <laughs> but it doesn't matter if it's planned or not. Not always. I mean, there's sometimes I'm a POS and I just sit there in front of my TV for like four hours. I'm like, I could have really bettered myself as a person. But then that's the same thing of like, why am I beating myself up about something that doesn't even matter anymore like it's already the past and the same thing goes with food and what you ate you already ate it what's guilt tripping yourself gonna do it's going back to that strategy you mentioned of okay what can you do better and maybe it's just not starting a diet or maybe it's just not skipping a meal to save room for calories or maybe it's not hyper fixating on whether you should go keto or whether you should go vegan and i think too it's thinking hey, that was one meal Mm -hmm. in one day, and that doesn't mean that tomorrow is broken or that doesn't mean that the next meal is broken because Mm -hmm. how you're feeding your body and how you're fueling yourself matters whether you had a shitty meal before or whether you had a good meal before. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think that's a key thing to ask yourself if you're the kind of person who struggles with making a decision about what to eat because I think a lot of us are conditioned to think, well, is this good? Is this meal bad based on the laws or principles of a specific diet or belief system around how you should be eating? Is this potato chip good or bad? Is this broccoli with butter good or bad? And we get really confused because we followed so many diets that one diet says broccoli with butter is great and another one says it's okay. Another one says butter is evil, get it steamed. So it's very confusing and it can be very overwhelming. But when you ask yourself, how do I want to feel after I eat this meal? Then you can look at the butter or broccoli and be like, oh, like, that's satiating and it tastes good. Okay, I'm going to feel good after I eat that versus the loaded mashed potatoes with the side of my fish. Like you're going to feel a little bit different. And when you ask yourself, how do I want to feel after this meal? That's a very intuitive way to decide what to eat. And it probably is going to set you up for success because you're more likely than not going to want to feel really good after a meal, maybe energized, maybe positive, maybe light. And typically more nutritious foods are going to do that for you. And just gets you more in tune with the way that food interacts with your body Mm. versus just following certain rules. Yeah, like a sheep just following. (laughs) I mean, and not to sound hateful, but like, you know, I feel like as as our job as a dietitian, I have to check myself and remember, like, I am not just going to give people a way to eat. I'm not going to just tell them, like, do this, not that, because I don't want them to be sheep. I want clients to learn how to make their own decisions and become autonomous in their eating decisions. And so if you're just blindly following a diet because some quote unquote doctor from wherever with some fake, you know, 
what's the word I'm thinking of? Credentials. Credentials. <laughs> Fake credentials says that you should eat this way. And you're just like a sheep following the herd, blind. And then you feel bad about yourself because these lo- like these rules are stupid. They make no sense. And this guy's making all this money and you're over here crying because you couldn't <laughs> you couldn't measure out your vegetables perfectly at your friend's dinner party. So I'll step off my soapbox now. <laughs> but I think it could be really empowering to make your own eating decisions. It feels good. I think we should wrap this one up with a healthy or not. Ooh. That's extremely relevant. You just pumped the brain. this conversation. <laughs> it is. It is. Because I wanted to, I keep wanting to talk about this, but then I'm like, well, we can make it into a healthy or not. All right. Tell them what it is. Dark meat. Dark meat. <laughs> <laughs> I remember there was this restaurant in St. Louis, if any of my St. Louis people are listening, called Crazy Bowls and Wraps. And it's like a bowl type place, but local. And you would go and you'd say, I want chicken in my bowl. And they'd say, white or dark meat? And I was like, um, no one's ever asked me this before. Oh. White meat. <laughs> but um, I never thought about dark meat because it's just... You didn't? No. Oh my God. Okay. So I don't I really think... eat it much. I think because, I don't know, am I like five years older than you or something like that? In my day of getting into nutrition, dark meat was the devil. Like, you could only eat white meat. So, like, the suggestion from everyone in the nutrition community going into Thanksgiving was only white meat Mm. on your plate. Like, do not touch the dark meat because it's higher in calories and higher in fat. When you actually look at it, it's really not that big of a difference. Mm-hmm. So for all my people who are 35 and above who are still just going on the turkey breast train, like dark meat tastes a lot better because there's more fat in it and mm-hmm. it's going to feel a little bit more satisfying. It actually has more nutrients mm. than the white meat mm-hmm. does. Yeah. So you don't have to feel guilty about that decision. How well, about that? I can tell you that I would only put white meat on my plate for, I don't know, probably up until four or five years ago. I mean, same. Uh, I mean, I always just know that, like, oh, the white meat's leaner. Like, that was just where my mind went. Yeah, it's just ingrained. It's like protein, protein, Mm -hmm, protein mm -hmm. over the healthy fat Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, so don't be afraid of dark meat. Embrace the dark side. (laughs) So we're going to say healthy. Yeah, dark meat, healthy. That might be the first one that I've said healthy to. Oh, yeah, well, I don't remember. (laughs) I think I don't either. Didn't we talk about, like, acai bowls and it was, like, a toss-up? There's been a couple toss-ups. I just don't remember that anything that I've been like, healthy, for it's, sure. It's hard. It. It's hard because you can find an angle on anything. That's true. I could be like Apple and somebody, you, one time, <laughs> one time we were here in the office in like July and I wanted to eat an apple and you're like, it's not in season, don't eat apples. <laughs> and I was like, okay. No, that's not why that happened. We were talking about it because I was like, I cannot believe you're eating an apple right now. Apples in July are mealy and disgusting. And you're like, what do you mean? I've never noticed that. It's because they keep apples from... Apples grow in the fall, and so then they keep them in the cellar. So if you're eating an apple in July, it was probably picked back in September. So it's going to taste gross and mealy. And so my biggest pet peeve is when clients don't like fruit, when they tell me they don't like fruit, and they're like, it just doesn't taste... It's not good. It doesn't taste like it. I'm like, that's because you bought blueberries in January. Uh, Blueberries are not in season in January. They taste like nothing. You have to gonna buy a blueberry you have to buy it in florida in the spring Mm. that's when blueberries are in season end of february march so when you learn that stuff 
and then you eat according to that, like, those fruits taste so much better. Yeah. They do. So I don't know what it says about me that I like apples <laughs> anytime. All the, all the time. Kate like apple. <laughs> but you're right. They do taste better in season. I just, I don't know. I well, apples are one of those things that keep well so yeah. apples potatoes sweet potatoes like root vegetables definitely keep a lot better yeah. than things like berries and stuff like that like a pineapple so, in june i mean july i mean what january <laughs> <laughs> in which case by can frozen <laughs> if you're wondering what's in season now by the way citrus mm-hmm. grapefruit oranges lemons pears are great right now in florida especially so yeah if if you want pears, if you love pears, now is the time to buy them. Don't buy pears in the Ooh. summer. Can I tell everybody a secret hack before we wrap it up with pears? Yeah. If you want to please everyone at your parties, like your potluck parties, your holiday parties, baked pears are like the most designer looking appetizer. And they're so good for you and they're so easy and healthy. Never so, made a baked pear in oh my, my life. Bake a pear. I can't remember what kind of cheese I like put in the little circle part. No, no, there was no cheese. It was like honey... Walnuts and thyme. That sounds like a real dietitian thing to bring to a party. But it was good. Like, people <laughs> like it. <laughs> I believe you. And it looks fancy. Like, people are like, oh, baked oh. pears. It's just like when people bring baked brie. It's not that hard. Yeah. But it's fancy. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> baked pears to your next party. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And Bye. don't forget to share this episode. We still are doing our free coffee. So if you screenshot this episode post it to your instagram story and tag us at nutrition.awareness we're going to put you in a monthly drawing for a free coffee you can share as many episodes as you want as many times as you want and if you leave a review on apple and tag us in it or send us it on instagram we'll give you five bonus entries appreciate you guys later gators We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. And if you did find it helpful and want to share it with the whole world, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram in your stories at nutrition.awareness so we can connect with you. To get notified about the next episode of Nutrition Awareness, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And to create your own personalized nutrition plan with us, be sure to schedule your virtual or in-person consultation on our website, www.orlandodietitian.com. Now get out there, fuel up, and live your healthiest life. We'll see you on the next episode.